Good morning. Welcome to Forest Hill Church, One Church, Five Campuses. Great to have you be here online community. Thank you also for joining us. Uh, I have some great news to tell you today. The Carolina Panthers are undefeated. Isn't that great news? Isn't that wonderful? Exciting. Yeah, I have some even better news to tell you. Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, victorious over sin and death, undefeated forever and ever. Give God the glory for that great news. For that one will never change, no matter what. You know, I love my wife, Marilyn, so much. She is, you are, the love of my life. 38 years almost, and just have enjoyed our life together so much. Thank you. Love my kids so much. Three beautiful kids. Wow. Love my grandkids so much. I mean, are they cool or what? Just love them and give them back. I mean, this is the coolest thing possible. You want to see a picture? Anyway, they're wonderful. Love them so much. But the passion of my life is the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I received Christ as my Lord and Savior and especially accepted this call to proclaim his truth in ministry, I knew the centerpiece of every message and the centerpiece of every church that God might call me to would be the gospel of Jesus Christ. In case you don't know, the word gospel means good news, and it is gloriously good news. But I'm convinced you love Jesus in direct proportion to how bad you know the bad news is. Really, the good news of the gospel shouldn't be preached unless the bad news is also preached. The bad news is that every single one of us, because of the sin of Adam at the moment of our conception, have a bentness towards sin towards selfishness. It's lived out in a trajectory over life, proven in our disobedience to the moral laws of God. Our separation between us and God is huge. Our eternal destiny is hell, separated forever from God. And God in his holiness could not allow us to be in his presence, and that's why the eternal destination of hell must be ours. But God is also love, perfect love. And he so loved this world that he enshrouded himself in human flesh, in a baby in a manger, what we celebrate this time of year. And that baby's name was Jesus. The name means Savior, to save us from our sins. This Jesus grew up and lived 33 years on this planet in perfect obedience to the righteous requirements of God's moral law where we couldn't do it because we were conceived in sin and death, God bypassed that process and conceived Jesus in the womb of Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this perfect, sinless God-man did what we can't do and then died in our place on the cross. That should have been our cross, folks. That should have been our crown of thorns. It should have been our spear in the side. It should have been our scourgings. That should have been our death. That should have been our punishment for our sins. But Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross in our place, something he didn't deserve, but did it out of love to give us the forgiveness of our sins by grace through faith, something we don't deserve. That's the gospel. The good news is though separated from God and our trajectory being hell, Jesus intervened and forgave us of our sins, and now our trajectory is eternal life in heaven with him. Wow. 
That's the passion of my heart. You may disagree with it. You may not understand it. But that's the passion of the church that Jesus formed. So I want to proclaim that gospel till I have no more breath in my lungs. I want to take this gospel throughout all of the world because that's the, the uh, command that our commander-in-chief has given us and his church who love him. So I want to share with you some scriptures that talk about where the gospel should be taken. And I hope the scriptures will challenge you today as they have challenged me to remind us that we're sent into the world as Jesus was sent by the Father into the world. Out of reverence for the reading of the scripture, if you're able, would you now please stand? First of all, John chapter 20, verse 21, in one of Jesus' resurrection appearances, he says this to his disciples. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father sent me into the world, so I'm now sending you, my disciples, into the world. Salt, light, into the world. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and, what's the last part? To the end of the earth. Hmm. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the Trinitarian formula, we worship one God, Christians, not three gods, we worship one God revealed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then Paul in his letter to the Roman church in Romans 15 verses 14 through 24 writes these extraordinary words. Listen. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given to me by God, the forgiveness of his sins by grace, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. That was Paul's calling. As Peter was called to the Jews, Paul was called to the Gentiles, a minister of the gospel. In the priestly service of the gospel of God. Priestly service. A priest is one who stands as an intermediary between humans and God. So in the understanding of the Bible, of the priesthood of all believers, that's not just one office for a few people. It's for all who call themselves followers of Jesus. We stand as mediators between God and human beings with the gospel of God. The teaching of the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ so that people can be reconciled to God. So that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable. When they appear before God one day, they receive themselves before God as servants of Jesus. Sanctified by the Holy Spirit, that means made holy by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. How we've seen in Lebanon, for example, a mission strip that just got back from there, miracles done as the gospel's being preached to Muslims who are Syrian. Miracles that then open their hearts to hear the gospel. And they're coming to faith by the dozens, by the hundreds. 
so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Elikrim, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition, my ambition, my passion, my first priority for Paul and me to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. That's a prophecy from Isaiah, chapter 59, written 600 years earlier. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Real quickly, where did Paul want to go? Which country? Spain. Spain. Keep that in mind. The reading of the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So as you look at the New Testament, God gives a call to those who are his people to almost have a concentric circle idea of taking the gospel into the world. In Acts 1-8, we see, first of all, the gospel's taken to Jerusalem and Judea. That's locally. For us today, that would be like our neighbors who need to hear or those in our general Charlotte area who need to hear. The next concentric circle outward is Samaria. In Jesus' day, the Samaritans were despised. That's because some 600 years earlier, during the dispersion, when the Jews had disobeyed God, God dispersed them to the Babylonian captivity. There were thousands taken into that captivity. The Jews, though, who remained in Jerusalem often didn't have people with whom they could marry. So the Jews would marry a Gentile who was there, and they produced what faithful Jews called a half-breed, a Samaritan, half-Jewish, half-Gentile, so that when the Jews came back from the captivity, they absolutely despised the Samaritans. They even had their own area called Samaria where they lived, their own ghetto, if you will. Jesus in John 4 walked through Samaria and met a woman at the well and astounded people in that area for, first of all, being a Jew who would talk to a half-breed woman And then secondly, to talk to a half-breed woman publicly about the love of God for her. So Samaria for us today, I think, would be the broken places in Charlotte. The inner city where people are hopeless and hapless in so many ways. You heard last week the campus pastors talk about what Forest Hill is doing locally and in Samaria. Locally and in those broken places in our city. You may not know this or not, but Charlotte... Of the 50th, 50 largest cities in our nation, ranks 50th in upward mobility out of poverty. There's a task force trying to understand that right now. I'm on that. It is a deplorable statistic for our city. It's a horrible blight, but it's there. So the church of Jesus Christ as a part of the gospel call needs to go into those broken places and give hope to hurting people. So that's the next concentric circle, Samaria, broken places. But the next concentric circle is to all the nations, to the uttermost ends of the earth. Paul understood that. That's why when he wrote this letter to the Romans, 
he talks about his ambition is to preach the gospel. But then he talks about coming through Rome and asking them to send him, ascending church, to what country? Spain. Why Spain? Because in that day, Spain was the westernmost part of the Roman Empire. Spain was the uttermost ends of the earth for Paul. And he knew that. So he says to the Roman Christians, I've not been able to come to you because I've been busy planting churches throughout the Roman Empire in key cities where they would be like radioisotopes and bubble outward to preach the gospel to the regions surrounding those major cities. But the time has now come for me to come to you in Rome and have you send me to Spain, to the uttermost ends of the earth, because my ambition, my passion is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he makes this remarkable statement. Did you catch it? I don't want to build on another person's foundation with the gospel. I don't want to go to a place where the gospel's already been preached. I want to take this gospel to places where the foundation's never been laid. I want to take this gospel to the unreached people's groups of the world. So today I want to talk to you about Forest Hill's passion for the world. How we're trying to take the gospel to places where they've never heard. We take that very seriously. Are, are you aware there are presently, right now in the world, 7,000 unreached people's groups who've never heard the gospel? They total over 2 billion people. There are over 400 million people who've never heard the name of Jesus in the nation of India alone. The church of Jesus Christ has a responsibility to take seriously his command. As the Father sent me into the world, so I send you into the world. Make disciples of all the nations. Go to the uttermost ends of the earth. And we're trying as best I know how and will continue to do as long as I have breath in these lungs to take the gospel to Jerusalem and Judea here in Charlotte, to Samaria, to the broken places in our area, but also to the uttermost ends of the earth. What I want to do today is to share with you some of the ways we're trying to take the gospel global through Forest Hills Ministry. Uh, let me share with you the partnerships that each one of our campuses has with some place in the world you'll see that these places are basically more local. They're in the Caribbean area. There's reason for that that I'll explain to you in just a moment. The South Park campus has a relationship with the nation of Honduras. We are trying to build deep roots there to help change that country for Christ. The Fort Mill campus has a relationship with Colombia in South America. You may not know it, but Colombia is one of the places where Christians are most persecuted in the world. Why? Because of drug lords. They don't want the gospel there. They want drugs to still be taken by the people. And they know that when the gospel of Jesus Christ is totally imbibed in a human part, people are set free from their addictions. You're aware, aren't you, that in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, God gave Adam and Eve, humanity, authority over the plants and the animals. In Genesis 3, sin permeated every part of God's once perfect creation. And now, 
No longer do humans have authority over the plants and the animals. Because of sin, the plants and the animals have authority over humans. You don't believe that? For those of you with eating disorders and addictions, plants and animals have authority over you. For those of you who have a smoking addiction, a plant has authority over you. For those of you with a drug addiction, plants have authority over you. There's an inversion of God's original intent in creation. Now, dear friends, the only thing I've ever learned about how to be free from addictions is rooted in this reality. The only way you'll ever be free from an addiction that controls your life is to love something more than you love the addiction. When Jesus comes into your heart and you realize the gospel of grace, your heart is filled with the love of the Father. You know that the Father sent his Son to love you and forgive you of your sins, and Jesus becomes the master passion of your life. Then you love him more than anything else in the world. The only way you'll ever be set free from your addictions is to love Jesus more than the addiction. And then over time, his love consumes your heart, and slowly but surely the addiction loses its grip upon you. That's why the Colombian drug lords don't want us there. We're still going. And that's Fort Mill's campus connection. The Waxhaw campus has committed to Guatemala. The Ballantine campus has committed to Haiti and is making a huge difference in that awfully poor nation. And the South Boulevard campus, which we hope will come up sometime around Easter, has not yet made their commitment. They will soon. So each one of our campuses and the ones we'll have in the future will make a commitment to some nation somewhere, probably in the Caribbean, because it's only a couple of hours flight, and we can go do missions trips there easily. And you can experience a third world poverty situation without too much shock value and within a couple of hours worth of trip. But we're not just satisfied to do missions in these nations. The gospel commands us to go into all the world, all the nations, especially places where there's not yet been built a foundation. So Forest Hill has a go global unreached areas that we're emphasizing. First of all, Burundi and Central Africa. Burundi, war-torn. It's still going on to this minute. Some of you have been there. The nation still has the Hutu Tutsi tension. There still needs to be reconciliation between them. We have continued to work with Alarm, one of our partners there, African Leadership and Reconciliation Ministries, to help teach the gospel of forgiveness to people so that they will stop the senseless cycle of genocide killing. Burundi and Central Africa, still one of our passionate areas. Also India. Mission India is our partner there. You need to know this. Over the last several years, since we focused on those 400 million who've never heard, we have planted over 3,000 churches in those unreached people's areas. Would you give God the glory for that? It's a wonderful statistic that we've done. Marilyn and I have had the privilege to write some books recently. We have one coming out together in early March. I was given a three-book deal an agreement on an advance that would be given to me to write these three books, I want you to know every single penny of that advance is going to Mission India. 
I'm not going to profit one. I don't need applause. I really don't need applause. I just want you to know that because I want the world to know about Jesus. And I don't want to profit from the gospel necessarily. I just want people to know his love and grace and mercy. Mission India is our partner in trying to reach India. Uh, We're continuing to work with Lebanon in a wonderful partnership with Hadat Baptist Church. They are doing a magnificent work proclaiming the gospel. We're seeing Syrian Muslims coming to faith by the dozens, by the hundreds. Miracles happening, as I just stated. We're seeing imams come to faith in Christ because of their work there. We're planting churches with them throughout the world in places where nobody else is able to go except Arab Christians who know the language and the culture. It's a wonderful opportunity for us, and we love our relationship with Hadat Baptist Church. And also, we've just begun a relationship to take the gospel into Nepal, into the Himalayan area, through Mountain Child Ministries. There are 24 identified unreached peoples groups spread throughout the Himalayas. Some missiologists say that's the most difficult area in the world to reach people with the gospel because of location, because of a very radical Tibetan Buddhist ministry there that when a Christian comes to faith in Christ, the Tibetan monks will come and slit their throats. But we're going because we know God has commanded us to take the gospel to the uttermost ends of the earth, and that's an uttermost ends of the earth. So we'll continue with our relationships in Burundi, India, Lebanon, Hadat Church, and the Nepal Himalayan areas because we know that's what God wants us to do. But we'll also continue to pray for God to reveal to us other places where he wants us to go. We want God to say to us, here's some other unreached people's areas, and we'll take these four areas along with our country partnerships and continue to explore ways to take this gospel throughout all of the earth. It's not optional, folks. Our commander-in-chief said, go. We must go. As he sent his son, so he sends us into the world as salt and light into the world. Marilyn once had a friend who said to her, you know, I have a Christian hairdresser. I have a Christian person who looks after my car. We go to a Christian school, and we like our lives that way. Marilyn and I have scratched our head every day since. How can a person who calls him or herself a totally devoted follower of Jesus basically commit oneself to a holy huddle lifestyle, removing oneself from the world and never taking seriously the whole command to go? First Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost ends of the earth. It's a command. We've got to go. So what does this mean for you today? Let me challenge you in several areas. First of all, I dare you to pray a couple of prayers. First of all, this prayer. Lord, break my heart for the things that break your heart. I dare you to pray that prayer. And then the second prayer I dare you to pray is, Lord, where are you sending me? And I'll go. 
If you pray those dangerous prayers, you might just find yourself hearing the voice of the Lord in your heart, the promptings of his spirit who lives within you when you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior and ask for forgiveness to go to places like, well, one forest tiller went. Watch this. I actually um, felt called towards adoption probably when I was about 13 years old. I just um, always had a heart for orphans. I was thankful that when I got married that my husband was fully on board with that. But when I came to him and I was really feeling like I was ready and specifically for China, then he just wasn't hearing anything from God and he said, you know, I'm going to pray about it. But then as the process went on and we got her picture, then he was really the one that said firsthand that's our daughter. She's meant to be ours. She's meant to come home. We went there, we had our daughter, and we both looked at each other and said, we will never do this again. <laughs> um, but as I got home, I realized that my passion was not going away. It was actually growing, and I wasn't sure what I was meant to do with that. Um, I just had this huge burden for orphans, for China in general. Then I had a friend who approached me, um, and she asked me if I would be interested in going back to China. And I had to tell her no at that time because we were still going through a huge family tra uh, transition with Olivia home. But she again approached me this past year in 2015. I kept wanting to tell her no, but in the back of my head I kept wanting to say yes. And I wasn't really sure what to do. So one day I was driving down the, ra down the road and 91.9 was on the radio. And I heard um, the radio host say, if you are being called to something, you are saying no, even if it's for the sake of your children, then you are not being obedient to God. You are putting your children or your family as an idol. And that just hit me so hard. And I decided at that point that God was calling me back to China and that I would say yes to this trip. There were so many highlights of my trip. I mean, it's truly one of the highlights of my life. There was one little boy and he just laid on his back all day long. He had a flat head and um, he just, for some reason, was ignored. And I picked him up the first day, and he just laughed. And I mean, it was like the biggest belly laugh. And every time I would pick him up, he would do the same thing. And it was like, he was just so thankful to be held. And that, I mean, every day I would just go over and find him right away, just so that I could hear his laughs. One of my biggest fears going there was to leave my children and to leave my family. And not that I didn't miss them, because I missed them terribly, but I didn't have that intense sadness that I expected to have. I just felt so peaceful the whole time. Um, so it was a huge lesson to me, you know, when God calls you to do something, even if it's big, even if it's scary, He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of every need that you have. I'm just a normal mom. I just, I work a part-time job, I have three kids, I have a husband, and I live in a small town, and God called me to do this big adventure, and it was something that I never would have done on my own. And I never would have chosen this for my life. It was scary to me, it was overwhelming to me, um, but it's turned into be the most fulfilling thing that I could have ever imagined. When we are sent into the world, then it means that we are willing to go wherever God has called us. It might be big, it might be scary, but it also might be small. It doesn't have to be to China, but it has to be somewhere that's probably gonna take you outside of your comfort zone. I know that God's not done with whatever he has planted in my heart for China and for orphans in general, but I just don't know what he has next, and I'm just waiting to see.
the Lord just might tell you to go to China and adopt a child. 153 million orphans in the world today. Or he might tell you to go on a mission trip. Look at foresthill.org and you'll see the number of missions trips that we're going to offer in 2016. Maybe it's to Lebanon and to care for the Syrian refugees there. You know, the Syrian refugee immigration debate right now, yes, I think we should vet Muslims and whomever to make sure they're not terrorists, but I find it interesting that the God of history, who controls history, might very well be doing something like this. Okay, Assad, you're going to have a regime that doesn't allow the gospel into Syria? Tell you what I'll do. I'll stir the nest, and I'll bring Syrians out so they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what's happening in Lebanon. That's the kind of God I believe in. I'm not going to seek therapy because of ISIS. Maryland have had two people tell us they're doing that right now. Why? Because our friends in Lebanon live in that every day. They live with the fear of ISIS every day. And they just go, our God will protect us. That's the kind of God I believe in. So pray. Maybe God's sending you to Nepal. Jack Reed said, just make sure you can climb mountains. <laughs> or maybe it's into the Caribbean area so you can get a dose of what it's like to go into third world poverty. And care and love. But I'll tell you what you'll do. You'll come back with a new global perspective. And you'll also kiss the ground of the greatest nation on the face of the earth the United States of America. But maybe God's calling you to go on a missions trip. And if you do go, you might just find out, like some of our people through the years have, have happened when they went on missions trips short term, they came back and the Lord stirred their hearts and said, I'm calling you full time. Go. So right now, let me show you the people over the last years who've gone into full time missions work through Forest Hill into the world. There's Tim and Bethany Ely, now in Germany, preaching the gospel. Peter and Ashley McKenzie and their beautiful family in Japan, where less than 1% believe in Jesus, preaching the gospel. Leo and Michelle Wurschmidt going to Senegal, West Africa, to places that have never heard among Muslim groups, preaching the gospel, along with Matt and Elena Toombs doing the same thing, preaching the gospel. Billy and Kate Dempsey, Bangkok, Thailand, over a million people there who don't believe, preaching the gospel. John and Christy Nykamp, leaving an attractive job over 20 years ago, now preaching the gospel faithfully for over two decades in Ethiopia. Chris and Kirsten Furr in France, that dark, secularized nation that doesn't believe in Jesus, they preach the gospel. Gabe and Janet Smith in South Africa with their family preaching the gospel along with Drew and Jana Harding preaching the gospel in South Africa. Howard and Teresa Drew in the United Kingdom preaching the gospel. John and Melinda Bernard, he's the head, the CEO of United World Missions with whom we have a partnership trying to help oversee how all the world can hear the gospel and his right arm Director of Strategy Tom and Molly Mullis at the Fort Mill campus. They, too, want to preach the gospel around the world. We have two others, but we couldn't give you photos. They didn't want it to happen. They're in vulnerable areas. There's Brian and Alicia Stevens in the Czech Republic 
preaching the gospel primarily to the hated and despised, marginalized gypsies. And there's Lance and Lisa Lawrence who ask us not to give their country, but they're in a very dangerous place preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That might happen to you. The Lord may say that to you. And we'd be proud, like Paul asked the Roman church, to send you to Spain. But also realize your money, faithfully given, is sending yourself. When you send your money, you send yourself. Maybe you're not called to go, literally. You can't go for whatever reason. But in sending your money, you're sending your hard-earned money that's basically you. For example, last Christmas Eve offering, we sent money to Lebanon where we're building the Hadat Baptist Church because we see what they're doing amidst the Syrians, the broken, and also Muslims coming to faith. And in fact, they wanted to say thank you to you by sending to us this video. Watch this.
Greetings to you, Pastor David and Marilyn Shadwick, pastors, leaders, ministers, sisters, and brothers at Forest Hill Church. We would like to thank you for your generous gift towards the construction of our main worship center. We pray that this place will be a lighthouse for all the nations around us. And Pastor David, every Sunday, you can now say, one church, six campuses. <laughs> Welcome to Forest Hill Church, one church, six campuses. <laughs> uh, wow. And you see that map where they're taking the gospel, those places? That's us partnering with them. That's us. So when you send your money, you're sending yourself. And this Christmas Eve offering is going to go to Mountain Child Ministry to take the gospel to those 24 unreached people's areas. So the question is, what about you? Where may God be sending you? To your neighbor for sure. To the broken and poor in Charlotte, yeah. What about the world? Where's your heart for the world? It's not optional for followers of Jesus. Forest Hill's mission statement is to glorify God by making disciples of all the nations who know Christ, grow in Christ, and go for Christ. Come join us. What a great adventure. The passion of my heart. And I pray yours too.